Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome into a special Saturday edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. It is Saturday, December 28th, and yesterday saw the first games of the conference get kicked off, starting off with a perfect 2-0 record. We'll get into the games in just a moment. I'm also going to preview the games for this afternoon. We've got Penn State taking on Memphis, and the big one, Ohio State taking on Clemson later on in the evening. Both New Year's Six Bowls, although clearly it's not New Year's. We're going to have to wait until next week for that. However, still big-time games, seeing big-time opponents, and the Big Ten so far got a clean record in their bowl games. All right, so let's get into it. As we saw yesterday, Iowa and USC. That's it was the second game. It was the night game. However, the Holiday Bowl. However, Iowa went out and did the conference very well, getting their 10th win of the year, finishing 10 and 3 with a big time win, 49-24 over USC. And this one was a lot about the exit of Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley has been a fantastic quarterback for the Hawkeyes. I've been very critical of him, and I will still continue to be critical of him, but you can't knock the record. Nate Stanley, what he did as a quarterback to get the W's for Iowa was always impressive. Still, clearly, I'm not impressed with his decision-making or his statistics necessarily. He's a game manager to me but he was a very effective game manager for the Hawkeyes. And he did it again yesterday, 18-27, 213 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the epitome of game manager. That's exactly what he is, and he managed the game well enough where that although the running game really couldn't get into it, they only had 115 yards on 35 carries, the group still – it was all about that, and it was actually, really, it was about Amir Smith-Marset. He was absolutely fantastic, named the offensive MVP of the Holiday Bowl, scoring three different ways. He ran for a touchdown, he caught for a touchdown, and he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. I think it's safe to say he had a damn good game. It was very easy to select him as the offensive MVP. When you hit the end zone three times, almost outscore your opponent by yourself. Yeah, I think that's going to deserve an offensive MVP. And to no surprise here, A.J. Epinesa, once again, defensive MVP. Two and a half sacks, added a tackle and a half for a loss. On his way to the NFL, a good, good, good showing for Epinesa as he's going to be it. A top pick first rounder is my guess in the NFL he didn't you know stats wise when you look at his season it wasn't what everyone would have thought coming into the year because there's not a lot of elite talent on the rest of the defensive line he was getting double and triple teamed all year and still the numbers that he put up were still impressive impressive enough to get into the first round of the NFL draft as well so a great building point here for the Hawkeyes. You know, I've been saying this for years and years and years, and Kirk Ferris proved me wrong. 
he has eight and four written all over himself. Well, guess what? Ten and three this year. Ten wins for the Hawkeyes. A very, very good 2019 season for Iowa. Let's move on to the other bowl game yesterday, the early morning game. I wouldn't say early, mid-afternoon. It was a 2 o'clock start central time. The Spartans found some offense, scoring 27 points, enough to beat the ACC's Wake Forest 27-21. to Brian Lewerke, meh. He was 26-37, 320 yards and a touchdown. But what was all about the defense here for Michigan State because defensive lineman Mike Panasuic took an errant pass off of a teammate's back, took it back 14 yards, and the big man scored a touchdown. Always fun to see big men scoring a touchdown. The defensive tackle, the senior going out in a big way. Yeah, he really didn't have big-time numbers this year, but hey, you know what? When you can leave with a pick six in your final game and a bull win in a tough, tough year, for the Spartans, where they you saw them ranked early on, ranked pretty high, and then they obviously sputtered to a 6-6 six and six record prior to the game yesterday, found a way to win. And again, like I said, there wasn't any, there wasn't a huge standout performance here, really, on, for anybody. I love what Kenny Willekes did, nine tackles, second and a half. So he was big. He's going to move on to the NFL. What a great story Kenny Willekes is as well. Walked on at Michigan State, earned his scholarship, became an All-American, became the Big Ten's defensive end of the year last year, although didn't win it again this year. Still had a fantastic season. And you know what? Michigan State, there was some turmoil and a lot of it. However, President Samuel Stanley, after the game, said that he was going to back Mark D'Antonio. He said that he's excited about the program's future with D'Antonio at the helm. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm excited about the future. Clearly, the recruiting has gone down from what it once was three years ago. But I think their biggest problem is on the offensive side, and that's what we're going to see that's what I'd like to see happen is them, you know, Mark D'Antonio saying, as opposed to doing what he did last year where he just kind of reshuffled his offensive staff, hoping to find a, a flame, hoping to spark something on the offensive side. I think he needs to go outside. I think he needs to go find a young, up-and-coming offensive coordinator, bring in some new views because their offense has gotten stale. I believe, and yes, 27 points, which is a solid outing for Michigan State, especially with the defense that they possess, but you know what? Football has changed. It's 27 to 21 scores. They really aren't the norm anymore. You're looking at in the 30s and the 40s, and I think at this point in time, Mark D'Antonio really needs to self-scout and say, hey, you know what? I think we're going to have to go outside of the program finding someone else to lead the offense. And that's exactly what James Franklin did. Matt Rule left, and James Franklin went over to Minnesota and said, hey, Kirk Soroka, 
You're a Pennsylvania native. Why don't you come back? Why don't you come back and lead my offense? That's exactly what happened yesterday. Kuroka moving on from Minnesota, going over to Penn State as their offensive coordinator. This is a tough one for P.J. Fleck and the Gophers because they really made, you know, a, a big-time move in the Big Ten West this year. Although they didn't win the West, the West was won by Wisconsin once again. But, look, Minnesota did some big things. They were right on the cusp. Made it to a January 1st bowl game, 10 wins on the season. They had two of their wide receivers in Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. First, all Big Ten as their wide receivers. And James Franklin noticed. And, you know, the, the Penn State offense wasn't terrible this year. It was solid. Obviously, breaking in a new quarterback. You know, Sean Clifford, he had a good year. Got hurt towards the end of it, obviously. The, the Ohio State game really knocked him out. But you know, for what he did for in, in a first season starting, that yeah, was pretty damn good. But I think the biggest thing coming out, taking this away with Soroka moving on to Penn State is the fact that K.J. Hamler has been kind of up in the air. And I think that when Soroka is able to sit down with Hamler and really chat it out, because he's currently with Penn State in Dallas. Uh, he's not going to be able to coach in the Cotton Bowl later today. However, he's there. He's with the team, getting to know the players. I think this is huge because... All he's going to have to do is say, hey, look, KJ, last year I guided this Minnesota offense to having two 1,000-yard receivers. Yeah, you're just on the cusp of it, but we got big things for you. And when you look at what KJ Hamler has done, and, you know, Bateman kind of blew up this year. Tyler Johnson, known commodity. Uh, everybody knew that Johnson was good, but it was Rashad Bateman that kind of blew up this year. And, yes, K.J. Hamler, also a known commodity, but, hey, you know what? If they can add on to that passing offense and make it just a little bit more elite. Hey, this is the missing piece that Penn State was looking for the last few years is they're just on the cusp of, you know, being elite. And that's exactly what head coach has been saying. I just, you know, I, I like James Franklin, and I think he's – He's got a, a good head in his shoulders because he, you know, he he knows that they're just on the cusp. They're right there, and their game today against Memphis. And, and I don't know much about Memphis. I'm not gonna lie. And when you look at this game, you just have to think that you know, if Penn State does what Penn State normally does, they're gonna beat the brakes off of Memphis. They're only favored by seven points, and I like what uh, I like the way that this one's working out for Penn State. I think Memphis has a good offense. Now, they're a non-P5 school. They're the highest-ranked non-P5 school. That's why they got into this New Year's Six Bowl game. But I don't I don't think that Memphis has seen a defense that's going to be as fast as the Penn State's going to bring. When you, you're looking at just... A, a different animal here for Penn State. 
uh, Michael Parsons, he lines up on the defensive uh, on the defensive line. He's got his hand down. He stands up. He drops back into his linebacker position. Uh, you've got Itor Grossmatos as well, just terrorizing defenses in the backfield all day long. Memphis, I don't think they've seen anything like this. And I think that Penn State's going to overpower them. I think that Penn State's going to score in the 30s. You're, you're probably looking at Memphis in the in the high in the low 20s, and I think Penn State covers in this one. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I think is going to happen with that game. We'll stick on some other things before we preview the Ohio State Clemson game. Uh, Rutgers added Ohio State transfer safety Brendan White. He's going to be reunited with his former defensive coordinator Greg Schiano. I think this one. When White decided that he was leaving, I think this was an easy decision for him. He had so much success in Shiano's scheme. I mean, White was the defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl last year. When Ryan Day took over, clearly got rid of Shiano. Uh, just wholesale defensive changes for the Buckeyes. And the scheme didn't quite fit. Brendan White's strengths. And when you look at the landscape of things, hey, the scheme sure as hell fit Greg Schiano's defense. And Schiano gets a big one because Brendan White is not just a, you know, he's not just a regular transfer. He's a big-time transfer. And reunited with a defense that he's going to know, I think the transition's going to be very, very smooth for Schiano and Brendan White when they get started in Schiano's second first year with Rutgers. So Michigan news yesterday as well. Two of their players, Nick Eubanks and Quiddy Payne, the talented tight end Eubanks and defensive end Payne, they're going to return for their senior seasons. This is big for Jim Harbaugh, very, very big. While corner Ambry Thomas, uh, he has yet to make a decision. They won't get their bowl season started until Wednesday. Well, the only season. They won't get their, you know, their their game against Alabama. This is going to be a tough one, uh, a really tough one for them. I'll preview it later on next week, but it's going to be a tough one. But it's good to see that no Michigan players have announced that they won't play in this game. We've got a few Alabama players who won't be playing, and rightfully so. Alabama's used to playing in the college football playoff the first season that Alabama will be left out of the college football playoff. So. They, uh, they seem unmotivated. It feels if, if Michigan can come out and just play the way that they need to with some fire, just a little bit of fire, I think they could push Alabama around because I don't think Alabama's mind is right. I don't. This is the, the worst finish that they're going to have in God knows how long. And I'm not sure that the... Alabama players are 100% bought into playing in a non-playoff game. So I think there's an opportunity for Michigan here. I really do. And especially with the time, you know, Nick Saban will have his team prepared. Don't get me wrong. He will. But when you're looking at that, yeah, obviously, I think there's a, there's a chance that Michigan can make this a game and, and really push the Crimson Tide. Clearly, the talent is on a different level uh, you're looking at an Alabama team that pretty much is the 
number one or number two top-ranked recruiting team in the last 10 years. So uh, the talent is clearly there for Alabama, but what I question right now is their mindset. Are the players' minds there after so much success and since the invention of the, well, not, I mean, just, not just the playoffs, but the BCS as well, but so much success. And now not being in a playoff game, that that's a big question for me as to where the Alabama players, where their heads are, if they're going to be mentally ready for a game like this because of the ramifications. Yeah, it's a big-time bowl game, but it's not a college football playoff bowl game. I mean, the Citrus Bowl is a solid bowl, but, hey, it, it's still it, it's a question mark for me whether or not the, their players are – their minds are set. They're they're right there. All right, the big one, Ohio State and Clemson. I think we all know the history of this one. Last time Ohio State was in the college football playoff, Clemson kicked their ass, and it wasn't pretty, thirty-one to nothing. The year before that, and this doesn't have any bearing on Ohio State, but Michigan State made the playoff. They didn't score, so technically since the Big Ten has been left out the last two years of the playoff, it's going to be almost five years since the conference has scored in the playoff. And this game, this is, I think, and I've talked to multiple people, uh, some insiders, and I've had, obviously, some conversations with uh, my, my good friend Nick Shepkowski, who, along with Pete Futek, runs the college football news podcast uh, Nick's also writing for USA Today the Notre Dame website and Nick and I kind of had a conversation about this game and we said you know what this one's the tougher one to call uh, we pretty much the consensus is that in the early game LSU is going to beat Oklahoma I, I think that that one is is pretty much along the board however when we talked we we said this one's a toss-up Clemson's only favored by two points Clemson clearly isn't I wouldn't say their their resume isn't as as nice as Ohio State's but you only play the teams that are on your schedule and it is what it is it's not Clemson's fault that the rest of the ACC is trash it really isn't you know they've recruited well they've won their games they did what needed to be done yeah at the beginning of the season they didn't look very good UNC almost knocked them off they needed a a late stand on the goal line to stay undefeated. But I think that uh, Clemson's damn good. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, if he came, if he was able to come out his freshman year, he would have been the number one overall pick. Clearly that's not the case because you have to stay three years in college, but they're going up against one of the best quarterbacks they're going to see. In a long time, clearly Ohio State has a damn good quarterback themselves in Justin Fields, but this one I think comes down to line play. I really do. I think that this one ultimately is going to be a contest where if the offensive line for Ohio State is able to contain the defensive line of Clemson, and Clemson, they've lost a lot of defensive talent. However, we're talking about Clemson. They just churn the talent 
in and out of that place. I mean, the programs are very, very similar. Uh, the, the difference right now is that, you know, Debo Sweeney has had Alabama's number, and they've won two of the last three national championships. Clemson hasn't lost a game in two years. This is going to be a really, really good game. And again, like I said, I think this one's going to come down to the line play. Is Ohio State going to be able to get to Trevor Lawrence? Can Chase Young get to him? Will Chase Young be effective? Because when Chase Young came back, the game against Michigan, and then the game against Wisconsin, excuse me, he wasn't that effective. He wasn't. No sacks in either of those games. Yeah, he still had a couple big plays, a couple tackles for loss, but nothing like the impact that he had previously. When you look at the first Wisconsin contest, he had four sacks, five and a half tackles for loss. He was just a monster. They're going to be able to double. Clemson's, they're, they're going to double team him. They're going to. And if they don't, they might be in trouble. But I think Dabo's smarter than that. I'm not sure he's going to get double teamed every single play. But he's going to get chipped. Running backs, another guard when he's going up against a a tackle one-on-one. So this one comes down to, for me, this one's going to come down to line play. 100%. And I think that the offensive line for Clemson, if they can hold up, then, you know, they'll be able to put up a lot of points because let's be real here. Clemson's set of receivers are elite. I mean, damn elite. Ohio State has a really good defensive backfield led by All-American Jeff Okuda. But, I mean, you're looking at a at a receiving core that's got, I would say... Let me think here. Let's. You're looking at T. Higgins. He's an NFL guy. Justin Ross. He's an NFL guy. Amari Rogers. He's borderline, but Higgins and Ross. They're going to be stars in the NFL. They're the next guys out of Clemson, wide receiver wise. They're going to be stars. And then you look at Travis Etienne. He was huge. 1,500 yards. 17 touchdowns. Yeah. This one. Uh, you know, this one's going to come down to line play. If Trevor Lawrence has time to throw, he's going to eat up Ohio State's defensive backfield. If Justin Fields has time to throw, I think he can do fairly well against the defensive backfield of Clemson. This is all about line play to me. All about it. And whoever wins that is going to win the game. And unfortunately for Ohio State, I don't see them winning this one. I think that Clemson is ultimately going to win this game. I think it's going to be close. I do think Clemson covers that two points. I mean, this is tough for me to say. I, I am a Buckeye alum. I'm clearly rooting for the Buckeyes. I'm obviously impartial about a lot of my coverage. However, I think this one goes to Clemson. I'm not going to be a homer in this one. Oh, Ohio State's great, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they are. Very talented team. But unfortunately, not getting that number one spot really hinders them this year. And... To me, whoever wins this game is going to win the national championship. If Ohio State somehow manages to beat Clemson, which I don't see, 
then I think Ohio State beats LSU. Lots of drama there with Joe Burrow being a Athens, Ohio native, former Buckeye, played three years for the Buckeyes. Never was able to correct the field, really, but still. Ohio views him as their their son. You know, Big-time backers for, all, for LSU. I think a lot of Ohio people were very happy when Joe Burrow won that Heisman Trophy. However, yeah, I, I think that the Clemson-Ohio State winner is going to be the national champion. And going into today, I see it as Clemson's win. I think that I wouldn't say that they're the better team. I think that just in this scenario, they're the more experienced team. They've been there. They've got multiple players who have been in national championship runs. They understand what it takes to win in the playoffs. And unfortunately for Ohio State, the majority of these players haven't sniffed the playoffs. I believe there's five or six players that were on the team still when they lost to Clemson a few years ago. So I think when you're looking at two teams that are virtually identical talent-wise, I mean, both teams have high-end, top-level talent across the board. You know, a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, defensive and defensive tackles, linebackers. I mean, Isaiah Simmons is an animal, an absolute animal for Clemson. Malik Harrison's great for Ohio State. You know, there's just there's players on every level, on both sides of the ball. And when it's so evenly matched like this, I, I think it really comes down to experience. And unfortunately for Ohio State, they don't have that. It's going to be Clemson. It's tough for me to say that, but got Clemson in this one, unfortunately. And there goes the perfect bull record for the conference. Uh, I think they'll end up going... Uh, you know, the early games until we hit Monday. I think they'll go 3-1, and one, but the big one, that L, that one big L is unfortunately going to be the Buckeyes L. I just can't see them, uh, you know, really pulling this one out. And eh, it is what it is. I think it's going to be a great game regardless, but unfortunately I don't see the Buckeyes winning. I'd love to see it, but I just I can't see it. I, I just don't. All right, one quick note on the basketball side, Merck. Turgeon is going to lose his twin big men from last year's recruiting cycle. Freshman Makai and Michael Mitchell, they've entered the transfer portal. They will leave Maryland. Michael, Maki, uh, he had more run than Mikhail did, but you know both of them didn't, uh, didn't see the type of numbers that they expected to see for Maryland. And, you know, it's unfortunate for Mark Turgeon. He's... A little bit short now on the bench big men especially because these two guys they were uh, you know they were in their front court and obviously they won't be with Maryland anymore so tough loss for Mark Turgeon as the Mitchell brothers will be leaving the program uh, and that's going to do it for me this morning on your special Saturday edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes I appreciate the listen go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123 go ahead and like the show page as well at is at Two Cents Pods. Like it on Facebook as well. Two Cents Pods over there. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Saturday, Big Ten fans. Talk to you on Monday morning.